0: study is a primary way that we can connect with what God is drawing us into. I recall a story from one of my favorite uh, teachers, and he was writing his second or third book on Jesus, and his wife looked at him one night and said, Tom, you're writing another book about Jesus? Has Jesus changed? And Tom paused and he said, no, Jesus hasn't changed, but I have. We never are the same person that comes to a text the second or the third time. God is constantly molding us, forming us into who God would have us to be. Did it occur to us as we were reading, wow, that's what life's like, or or that really connects with this experience that I had the other day? The floods of thoughts that come to you while you're reading that text. You know, it's the connection between God speaking to us from the pages of Scripture and giving us a chance to apply it to our life and put it out there and let it affect the way that we're living, the choices that we're making so that the world may know Christ. Amen. Wasn't as good as
1: last week's sermon bumper, but it'll do. Uh, if you have your Bibles, take your copy, please, and turn with me to Nehemiah 8. Nehemiah 8. It's toward, maybe in the Old Testament, maybe about a quarter of the way through your Bible. I'll just give you a moment to find it there. So good to see you. So good to hear you worshiping uh, through song this morning. And we're going to continue worshiping now as we uh, look at his word together. I do want to highlight a couple of things. Brad mentioned... Uh, Some things coming up, but I want to make sure you're aware of a couple things as well. Yesterday and the next two Saturdays, having unique opportunities to um, allow anyone who would like to... Uh, Attend a cultural immersion tour. It's during the day on a Saturday. Um, A group of you went yesterday. uh, A cultural immersion tour is basically going to Nashville area and immersing yourself in a culture that's different from ours. Yesterday, a group of you visited a Hindu temple and then went and had Indian food afterwards. Uh, and so we're going to be offering these things and make them available to you this coming Saturday and the Saturday following. And so, if you're interested in that, I would encourage you to go to our uh, go to our website to find out more information. Josh Lynn, our missions minister, back here to my right, and uh, Josh Madison, who's heading these up, he's right there as well. Josh Madison, you want to raise your hand? That's great. Thank you for thank you for doing that. So I'd encourage you to do that. Also, the focus studies will continue this week on Wednesday night. The focus study in the Fellowship Hall that uh, Josh Lynn is leading for uh, Colton World. Religion is going to be focusing on the nuns and understanding more about the nuns, not the Catholic ladies, the NUNs, but the N-O-N-E-S. Uh, those who um, uh, say there's no uh, affiliation with any religion at all, they call themselves nuns. So how, what are they thinking, how to engage them? That's this Wednesday night in the fellowship hall. And here this Wednesday night, we're going to be talking about uh, continuing the parenting focus study on mental health, mental illness, and how to help our children navigate that. We have our very own Joe Rustum and Meredith Cleveland who will be um, uh, bringing the content this Wednesday night, so I'm looking forward to that, okay? Nehemiah 8, Uh, if you hadn't found it by now, you're not going to, Um, but it'll be on the screen here behind me here. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word, and let's read these first eight verses together. Nehemiah 8, pick it up with me in verse 1, and I'll read down through verse 8, and pray for me as I try to get these names right. All the people gathered together at the square in front of the water gate, they asked the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had given Israel. On the first day of the seventh month, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding. While he was facing the square in front of the water gate, he read out from it from daybreak until noon before the men, women, and all those who could understand. All the people listened attentively to the book of the law. The scribe Ezra stood on a high wooden platform made for this purpose. Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maasaiah stood beside him on his right. And to his left were Padiah, Mishael, Malchijah, Hashem, Hashbadena, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Ezra opened the book in full view of all the people since he was elevated above everyone. As he opened it, all the people stood up. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and with their hands uplifted, all the people said, amen, amen. Then they knelt low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Jeshua, Bonnie, Sherebiah, Jamin, Acab, Shabbatiah, Hodiah, Maasaiah, Kaleida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Peliah, who were Levites, explained the law to the people as they stood in their places." They read out of the book of the law of God, translating and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was read. Father, give us the same hunger and thirst for your word that you gave the Israelites in Nehemiah and Ezra's day. And give us understanding. Help us develop our, our, our understanding of your word. And may we have confidence that when we open your word, we know that you're going to be with us, speak to us, and give us understanding. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, we live in a day where it is very, 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 very easy to find something if you don't understand or to find something if you want to learn something. Um, Google, YouTube, if you want to figure something out, if you don't understand something, if you want to learn something, all you have to do is type in your question and within less than a second, you know you're going to have a host of different links and or videos to watch. Whether it's whether it's YouTube or Google, you know the drill. Um, lately, I've been... Uh, Typing in questions such as "When is the next Bucky's going up?" and "Where is it?" Um, "How do you cook a brisket so it tastes good?" and those those types of things. Yesterday afternoon, I found myself in a dark place, and I was typing in "What do you do on a Saturday during football season when you don't want to watch football anymore?" Um, I mean, it was bad. It was "What are coaches are available out there?" and I just I got to a dark place, guys. It was it was rough yesterday afternoon. And if you don't know, have any idea what I'm talking about? Blessings on you. Um, we we live in an age where you can literally type in a question to try to understand everything, and have hundreds of links and or videos to read and watch. You know this. But how do you understand the Bible? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can type that in. How do you understand the Bible, and you'll see a host of links. But really. How do we understand this book? How can we have confidence that when we go home and whether we're leading a small group or family or or by ourselves that that we can understand? How can we develop our understanding? Well, two weeks ago, we saw that the Bible really does invite us into a conversation with the living God. We saw from Hebrews 4, the word of God is living and active and effective, which means we saw that it lays us open before God. And because it's living, the living, the living God who spoke the words into this thousands of years ago is alive now and he invites us into a conversation with him. We saw last week, we took it a step further, and that that conversation ultimately will lead us to Jesus, the sufficiency of Jesus, the brilliance of Jesus, the glory of Jesus, so that was kind of kind of a philosophical look at what the word does, its purpose, its intent. But we hadn't talked about yet about how to study this book. How do we how do we grow in our understanding of this book? And so, for a few minutes, that's what I want us to look at this morning. And we get some help from Nehemiah eight. But what you and I need to understand when we get to Nehemiah chapter eight, we're kind of in the middle of something unique that's been happening in the nation of Israel. I mean, it's rare in the Old Testament when you see God's people, and at this point there were 43,000 of them say, Bring us the book. And it's really rare to have any church people say, Read us the law from 6 a.m. to noon. (laughs) Tried that once, didn't go over well. (coughs) Excuse me, no, I didn't try it. (coughs) Excuse me again. I've already drunk all the waters. I see you looking. Thanks. Yeah. Sucked them all down. By the time we get to Nehemiah 8, something, as I said, unique has happened. About 70 years earlier than this, God's people had been sent to exile. God said, if you don't obey me, I'm going to punish you and it's going to look this way. They didn't obey him and he did what he said and sent them to foreign pagan lands. Well, about 70 years after that, there was this young man named Nehemiah who happened to be working for one of the pagan kings. And he gets word that the, nation, that the city of Jerusalem is destroyed and it wrecks him. The walls around the city are torn down. The whole city is torn down. And he's embarrassed because that's where God met with his people. And so he does something unthinkable in those days. This Israelite, Nehemiah, goes to the king and asks for permission to go and rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. And the king grants him favor. And so this is all in the first seven chapters of Nehemiah. And so by the time we get to Nehemiah 8, Nehemiah has assembled a group of people and they put together a wall around Jerusalem. You want to have trouble reading names, read Nehemiah 2 and 3. There is name after name after name. Like, where's the Bills? Where's the Joes? Where's the Sams? Where, where are they? I don't know. They're not here. But anyway, there's name after name after name that rebuilt the wall. We get to Nehemiah 8 and just the wall is built. Just the infrastructure around Jerusalem is built. Before they start building the city, the group of Israel goes to Ezra, who's a a scribe and a priest, and says, Would you bring out the law? Which we know is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Would you bring out the law, which is something if you think about it, because they hadn't started building the city, they've got infrastructure, but they know that you can have the right infrastructure all day long. But if you don't know who you are, it's not going to matter. We've seen that in our own day. You can have all the right stuff, but if you don't know who you are, it's not going to matter. But get this, if they had been in Babylon in pagan land for 70 years, they didn't know their heart language anymore. If you're you're in a foreign land, and you have kids, and you have kids, and you have kids, and your kids have kids, and your kids have kids, and your kids have kids, then that means after 70 years or so, you're not going to know the heart language. They knew the pagan language, but not the language of Israel. And so when Ezra reads the law, he's reading in Hebrew, which means they're going to need somebody to help them understand. But I want you to also think about this, church. This gets me. 43,000 or so Israelites, which seems a lot, but it's really not that much if you think about a nation. They had been living in a godless society for 70 years. And the first thing they want before they start rebuilding Jerusalem is the law of God read to them. You know what that tells me? The ways of the world, the the godless ways of pagan nations go nowhere. They had had immersed themselves in a pagan, godless nation. And the first thing they went, bring us the law of God. We messed up. We know what God says is what's right and true. That should tell us something. The ways of the world lead nowhere. What God says is what's ultimately best for us. And I love the way the first thing they say, bring us the book. And it was the law of all things. I mean, there's some great stuff in these first five books of the Bible. But there's also some... Hard to read stuff. I mean, if you've got a new Christian, the first thing you tell them is not go read Leviticus. I mean, I've been at this thing for a while and I still struggle. But they want it because they knew that what God says is what's best, and they had tried the other thing. It reminds me of a, of a mid-30s-year-old guy who grew up in the church, who trusted Christ, made the decision, got baptized, walked with the Lord for a while, went to college, went off the deep end a little bit, turned into his 20s, went off the deep end even more, but then something clicked in his mid-30s, and he wanted to return to the Lord, return to church, and start walking with God. And if you ask him, why did you start doing it? He because I know what God says, and I now know what the world says, and it leads nowhere. And that's what's happening to the nation of Israel. I don't know what the greater miracle is. The fact that they wanted the law read from 6 a.m. to noon. Or the fact that they paid attention for that long. (laughs) I've lost some of you already and it's only been 10 minutes. (laughs) I mean, the Bible says they paid attention to the law for, let's just say, six hours. So, How can we grow in our understanding? How can we develop in our understanding and and, and develop a, a confidence when we go to the Word? Let me give you three ways. They're found right here in the text. Number one, sit under the Word corporately. Sit under the Word corporately. It's right here in Nehemiah 8. How can we grow in our understanding and study of the Word? Well, it's what you're doing right now. You've got point one down pat. Sit under the Word corporately. It's what's happening in Nehemiah 8. The nation of Israel coming together saying, bring us the book. And they even established a platform for Ezra. Did you catch that? That was a special for this occasion. So he would be up here, not to elevate Ezra, but to elevate the word. And so that the nation of Israel could could say, we are situating ourselves under the authority of God. And his word. So I plead with you again. I know I'm preaching literally to the proverbial choir because you're here, but I want to plead with you to regularly be committed to ensuring you situate yourself under the teaching and preaching of the word corporately on a regular, consistent basis. Not when it's convenient, but it's something you do. Put yourself under the teaching and preaching of someone that helps you understand the word, understand the God of, who spoke the word, gives you a hunger to want the word more. If, 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 I, if I help you with that and the teachers and preachers here help you with that, great. If I'm not your cup of tea, go somewhere who is. I'd be crazy. But, but seriously, go somewhere that does. Does. It's that important. You want to understand the word, put yourself under the preaching and teaching of where you understand it better when, when, when the preaching and teaching happens and you want more of it. Do that. It's what's happening here. And they're putting themselves under the preaching and teaching. Let me just say a couple caveats here. One, and I love how this happens a lot in this service. If your children are old enough to understand what goes on on this stage, bring them in this room. If your children are old enough to understand what's happening on this stage, bring them here. There is something that happens into the soul of a child when he or she sees mom and or dad sitting under the word of God. Now, I know every situation is different. You know your child better than I do. I get that. But when you are able and when you believe, they can begin to understand. Let them see you, mom and dad. Situate yourself under the authority of the scriptures. Look in verse three with me again from Nehemiah 8. While he was facing the square in front of the water gate, he read out out of it from daybreak until noon before the men, the women, and all those who could understand. All the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Men, women, and all who could understand. Men, women, and all who could understand. He didn't say children, but he had already covered men and women. So I'm guessing it's safe to say those who were old enough to understand. I know it's easier for child care. I know it's easier sometimes for them to do their group while you come here and you go home. I get that. But let me plead with you, if possible, to bring your children and have them sitting under the Word of God they, I can even argue they don't even have to understand everything yet. They're going to see you sitting, submitting to the authority of God. And that matters. They're watching every move you make. Trust me, I know. I have three teenagers now. Every move. Every <laughs> move and you know I believe there's something that happens in the heart of a child when they see mom and dad fear God as a matter of fact Proverbs 14:26 says whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress and for their children it will be a refuge wow dad if you fear God your children will see that and you'll be a refuge for them my daddy fears God. My mama fears God. If you can, have them under the teaching of the word. Second caveat, very quickly. They were under the word of God corporately. They were present when it was done. They were in the room. Now, I know I know how I'm talking to you. You're here in the room. I get that. But Ezra, I want you to see, Ezra didn't shred the law up in a couple of different segments and say, you go home and read that in your tent. You go home and read that in your tent. You go home and read that in your tent. There's a time and place for that. We'll get to that in just a second. But I want you to understand that they did something about being together. And they came together and they sat under the preaching and teaching of the scriptures all morning long. It costs something to come here. You've actually got to get up, shower. Please shower. Some of you shave, put on something decent, choke down a biscuit or three. and get in the door, it costs something. But what are you communicating? This matters to me and my family. And if you do this once every three or four months, but you do other things the rest of the time, that's communicating something to your family too. Some of you are watching at home right now and, I'm, and some of you would be here if you could, you'd give your right arm to be here. I know you and I would call you by name if I wouldn't embarrass you. So I'm not talking to you. You're at home and one of the reasons we keep these live is because I know you and you'd be here if you could. But some of you, some of you have begun to choose the lazy way out. And it's easier and you can stay up later on Saturday because you can get up just in time to roll out. But you know what you can do when you don't like something on, on that under the Word? You can turn it off. When you're in here, you can't turn it off. Some of you get up, but 98% of you stay for most of the service. And you know what happens when you're here? You and I have to look at each other on our way out and say, Wow, we just heard that together. We're accountable to what we just heard. It, be here, it makes a difference and it will cost you something but it communicates that it's worth it. Second, not only did they sit under the word corporately but they processed the word with family. They processed the word with family and I don't get, don't get a, uh, let me explain what I mean by family. Do I mean traditional family? Yes, but I, I mean something more than that here. The traditional family series was last month, okay? That was the Deuteronomy series in August. Now, do I think that Billy Jr. and Sally Sue had something to say to mom and dad and had some questions on the way home after Nehemiah 8 happened? Why did Ezra go on and on and on and on? I'm starved. Or if you keep reading... All of Israel started weeping because of the word. And then they rejoiced because they realized they were forgiven. So you can just imagine Billy Jr. or Sally Sue saying, Mom, why were you crying? I was crying just because it was so boring. But why were you crying? Dad, you started hollering and going crazy. That's crazy. It looked like you were watching a game. But it was worship service. So when those opportunities come, yes, but I, I don't mean necessarily the traditional family here. I mean a family of process the word with those in your life who are like family, who are brothers and sisters in Christ. Process the word in a smaller group of people where you they know you, you know them. They know they're growing in the word, you're growing in the word and you can speak to their situation, encourage them, challenge them and they can speak to you and they can encourage you and challenge you. That's something that can't happen in here. The Spirit of God can do a lot in corporate worship, but very, very um, rarely is there an opportunity for someone that knows you and you know to just do life together under the teaching and the authority of the Scriptures. Let me show you where I get this from the text. Look at verse 7 with me of of Nehemiah 8. I'm not going to read all these names again because I did it once and I don't think I can do it again. But there were 13 names here and Nehemiah or Ezra says they were Levites. And what did they do? End of verse 7. They explained the law to the people as they stood in their places. They read out of the book of the law of God, translating and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was read. So there were 13 Levites sent out across the, 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 the people and obviously saying hey let me help you understand what that means do you have any questions how uh, and what if one of them said hey I don't know about this situation what does the law of God mean to this and so they were able to do that in smaller groups I love that because that's exactly why we have groups at this church we don't have groups for you to get another sermon sometimes that can happen we don't have groups for you to get another sermon we have groups so you can sit under the authority of the word with other brothers and sisters in Christ that can help you process how that looks in your life that's why we have it, and all of us need it. Speaking truth to one another in love. You want to understand the word? You go corporately, sit under the teaching of the word, and you process the word with brothers and sisters and family. Many of you and that I'm looking at are in groups and are regular to a part of a group. We strongly, strongly push groups because we believe it matters for our growth and sanctification. You say, well, how do I get in a group? So glad you asked. Our group's minister happens to be on vacation this week, but his name's Dave Cruz and his email's gonna be on the screen here. His beautiful mug is just gonna be shining there right there, look at that, just look at that. He's out of town, but if you email him and say, I'm such and such, I would love to be in a group, the second he gets back, he would be more than happy to reply to you, connect with you to get you in a group. You say, I don't wanna wait till he gets back. Our administrative assistant, her name is Kirsten Wolfe, that's her. That's her email address. Email her and say, Dave's out of town. Matt said I need to email you to get in the group. She will know how to respond to you. You say, I don't want to wait to email Kirsten. Well, I'm so glad because Josh Lynn, our missions, missions minister, is going to be in the, uh, in the uh, four-year area right after this message. Josh, say, hey, because you just look beautiful up there. There he is, yeah, wearing that vol orange. Um, God love him. Um, and then you say, well, I don't know if I want to do any of those things. Well, here's something you can do on your own. You can go to westfranklinchurch.com backslash groups and see what all we have offered. Now, we're all the time growing groups, all the time wanting new groups, so you just go to town. If you say, "I I don't see anything I like here, start your own, and we'll help you with that. It matters. Sit under the word corporately. Process the word with family. Third and finally, listen to the word quietly. Listen to the word Quietly there's a corporate level to this there's a smaller group level to this and there's an individual level to this now I gotta gotta be really honest with you I don't see the individual portion here in Nehemiah 8 I don't see where they went to their tents and had their quiet times Nehemiah or Ezra Ezra does say be still and Ezra also says the joy of the Lord is your strength think about that for a second church When you're still and your soul is reminded that God is full of joy and gladness, that gives you strength. Because you know what it means if God is glad? It means everything's gonna be all right. If God is full of joy, you're gonna be okay. If God's not stressed, it's gonna be fine. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And a lot of times, or Pretty much every day, my soul needs to be reminded of that. There's an individual basis to this. And I want to give you a way. There's a billion ways. Again, you can Google how to study the Bible and you will see all kinds of stuff. I want to, and there are a million ways. And there are a million different persons. Not a million, but how many are in here? About six, 800. Um, there's a <laughs> Baptist. Um, there are dif- different personalities in this room. You're going to learn in different ways. I want to give you one simple way. Just real practical. Um, before I do that, however, I, I want to tell you that I, I believe a, a conviction that I have. It's crazy. I mean, it's kind of. I believe the moment someone puts their trust and faith in Jesus Christ and surrenders their life to follow Him, I believe at that moment that person receives the entire the, the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? The second you believe in Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit of God. Not just a partial dose. You know, you don't know me, Matt. No, 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 not just a partial, the full dose. That's why Paul wrote Ephesians, by the way, that Christians in Ephesus thought they only got a half a dose. Paul says, oh, no, 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 no. You're Gentiles, but you got the full dose. The Holy Spirit lives in you. I believe that if that's true and I believe it's true that when you open this book that's inspired of the spirit then the spirit living inside of you speaks to you from you and from this word and just collides. The relationship happens. The spirit in you and the spirit in the text same spirit speaking to you. That's incredible. So with well, that being said, how can we, how can we learn? There's, there's one method that I love personally that uh, in, in Latin, it's called Lexio Divina. Christians have been using this for 100, 100, 100 years. It literally means sacred readings. And I want to recommend a book to you where you can read more about it. It's called The Listening Life by Adam McHugh. He kind of puts the cookies on the bottom shelf for somebody like me to understand. But in that, he gives a, a way to do Lectio Divina, um, 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 sacred reading. And he asks these four questions, or he puts it this way. He says, here's the, here's the process of Lectio Divina, of sacred reading. You listen to the text, you ask the text, you answer the te- or God from the text, and you just Be. You listen, you ask, you answer, and you just be. Listen, what does that mean? You just read through the scriptures a couple times asking God, what are you saying to me? Second, you ask. This is by yourself, alone, cup of coffee, you and God. You you ask, what are you saying to me? Why does that word speak to me? Why does that phrase speak to me? Why does that verse speak to me? This is if you're you're reading a whole chapter, reading a whole book, reading two verses, whatever. Then you answer. Wow, that spoke to me. There's something that needs to happen as a result of this. You revealed this to me about yourself. And you make that a prayer. And then the last one, be, which means do nothing except sit for a few moments. And that's probably my favorite, but it's the hardest to do. You know why? I want to do it. But when you need supernatural sanctification, you and I can't do that. We are relied upon God to do it for us. And just to be is a reminder that, God, if you don't supernaturally change me, it's just not going to happen. Now, real quick, real quick, let's practice, okay? Okay. I'm going to practice, and y'all going to sit there until I'm done. Verse 5 and 6, Nehemiah 8. Put your eyes on verse 5 and 6. We're going to use that real quick. Ezra opened the book in full view of all the people since he was elevated above everyone. As he opened it, all the people stood up. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and with their hands uplifted, all the people said, Amen, Amen. Then they knelt low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, I'm doing something that you should not do, and I'm going very, very quickly. But let's assume you've now listened, which means you've read those two verses two, three times. Very slowly, just quiet. Now you start to ask, why did they raise their hands when the word was opened? I only see people raise hands during songs. I don't know if I've ever raised my hands when the word was read. When was the last time I fell down on my face before God when his word was read? And then you go to the answer. God, I don't think I respect you or your word anywhere close to the value of it. I don't think I put much weight on your word. God, I need you to change me. that, that, That when your word is read and explained, that my hands would raise and worship, and that I would fall down before you knowing that I am small but you are big. And then you just be, God, change me. That's it. That's it. See what the Spirit of God does in you. Listen, ask, answer. Be corporate, group, individual. How you can develop your understanding of the Word. The more, I've been thinking about this. There's a lot of there's a lot of parallels between opening the Scriptures and algorithms. <laughs> you know what an algorithm is? I said I'll be done if y'all. I okay. hear like. Listen, those algorithms, those things like earlier when I was talking about searching. Let's just say you search, um, you type in, um, um, new grill for Christmas. <laughs> like, like I need that. Type in new grill. Well, the next couple of days, what's going to pop up on your social media feed? Grills wonderful <laughs> oh hadn't thought of that oh beautiful yeah, you, you, it's amazing what happens when you when you if you have Alexa at your house paying attention, you're gonna just speak it, and the next couple of days in your social media feeds, all your internet feeds, you're gonna see these ads for what you've been talking about because somebody in tech world knows how we function. They 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 begin to get this data and they put it together and they they start to cater it just for you. It's, and it starts to be scary after a while because you're like, is this too? There was an article in the Atlantic last year. This young girl wrote an article in the title. Was I'm so scared of the person TikTok thinks I am, <laughs> because they were like, "Oh, is this really who I am?" You know, it's, it's fascinating, really. And when you begin to open up the internet and see all these things that describe you, the the Pandora music streaming service—you've heard of that? <laughs> An official from Pandora apparently had a caller, a subscriber call and say, um, there's a problem because in my personal radio feed or whatever you call this playlist, Celine Dion keeps playing. And the official said, okay, sir, sorry, there may be a data error. Is it uh, the uh, style of music? He said, no, the style's fine, but Celine Dion. He said, okay, well, let's take a look at it. Is it is it maybe the genre that you're not used to, the genre you don't like? Maybe there's just some different stuff. And he goes, no, no, no all that's fine too, but it's Celine Dion. Well, apparently they went back and forth and back and forth, and finally the subscriber realized, oh, my, I like Celine Dion. <laughs> Have you ever opened the Scriptures and you're like, oh. <laughs> how did the Spirit know that's what I needed? You see, there's some similarities between these two, but there's one big difference. The tech companies do it because they want more of your money. We know that. They want more clicks. They want more time. But God doesn't use you. When you read the scriptures, God lays you open because he just wants to be with you. He doesn't need anything from you. He just wants you. And when he brings something to your mind, he wants to say, I love you in that. Let's get through this together. I know this happened. Let me, let me Grace greater than all your sin. Let me walk through this with you. God doesn't know your stuff to use you. God knows your stuff to love you. And he just wants to be with you. That's the purpose of this book. God, would you help us know you, and would you help us know you in a way that you know us, and may it breed, may it foster a beautiful relationship. We pray this in Jesus' name.